Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Happy Halloween! Fear is something we all face from time to time. It can be a motivating factor or it could be debilitating. Your understanding and how you handle fear determines which one. While this is not a special episode, being close to Halloween, we're going to talk about fear and understanding how it works in and on you. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fearful of this week? I wouldn't say fearful, but uh, had a situation Sunday. We have a crazy neighbor a little ways down the street who decided that he didn't like one of our other neighbor's dogs barking. And so he pulled up in his vehicle right in front of their house and started screaming at him and wouldn't leave. And so we ended up having to call the cops on the guy. I went up there to try to calm him down. I mean, he just would not leave. He was just like, no, we're going to resolve it today. And I'm like, yeah, the cops are on their way. It's definitely getting resolved. And the guy was just, it just completely blew my mind because it's like, dude, you can't get in somebody's front yard and yell at them. And he's like, well, it's common grounds, you know, because he's like standing on the street and it's, you know, yeah. HOA property, but he's yelling at somebody in their yard, yelling at dude's wife, scaring his kids. It's just absolutely insane. So anyway, the cops came and yeah, they told him they're like, no, dude, you can't do that. It doesn't matter that it's common property. You're, you're harassing people and you're disturbing the peace and all this. And, you know, if you continue charges, will be filed basically. So he stomped off and, you know, got all mad. So I'm sure we'll see more of him because he wasn't just, he wasn't an overly sane person. So in other news, I set up a GitHub uh, action to deploy our, the new version of our website. I'm not going to tell y'all where that's located just yet because I got some bootstrap fixes I need to do. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm not a designer anyway, but I don't, I don't want you to think I'm the opposite of one. <laughs> so give it a little bit longer. We're targeting probably the week after Thanksgiving or a little bit after that to you know do a switchover, but it'll be a completely static site. Be way faster, way less maintenance, and we'll be away from WordPress. However, I will not be away from WordPress. I just got assigned a task at work to maintain a WordPress <laughs> site and update it and do a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I haven't been able to get away from WordPress for 10 years. I've had a site I've had to maintain in WordPress mm-hmm. for 10 years at one place or another, at the very least 10 years, actually, wow. maybe a little bit longer than that. So how about you? I guess I'm, I'm afraid of WordPress. I'll put that there. There you go. That, that works. Putrid poultry, foul, foul. I ate some bad chicken last Thursday. Now, in my defense, the weeks, they've been kind of blurred, especially since I hurt my hand. There's just been so much going on in at school, the podcast, church, like all my three big things that I do. They've been so busy. So I just didn't realize how old and how long it had been in the fridge. I mean, it didn't smell. Mm. No mold. It didn't look bad. But uh, needless to say, uh, I got sick. And uh, of course, that threw me into an IBS flare up that I'm still dealing with. 
Yeah, I missed several small groups at church Friday and Saturday. So, you know, Amanda went without me and, of course, told everyone and told them to pick on me about it. So, as you do. Yeah. You know, so when people saw me on Sunday, I heard no end of the jokes. Of course, I also pointed out to each and every one of them that I like attention. So, making fun of me was actually reinforcing the act of eating bad chicken. Was this the same chicken that burned you on uh, yes. Labor Day? Oh, <laughs> wow. Like, I just like, I saw the chicken. It looked good. It didn't smell bad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been in there maybe about a week. Like, it all kind of blurred together. It's all blurred. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, I wasn't thinking too much. I So what I did, I... I get these cauliflower pizzas, uh, this cheese pizza, and I put pepperoni and some spices on it. And I ran out of pepperoni. I was like, well, I want something to put on the pizza. I look in the fridge. There we go. There's this chicken. I'm like, hey, I can strip the chicken and put some uh, buffalo sauce on it. It'd be a good pizza. It was really good. But I just like I said, I just didn't like it didn't occur to me how long it had been in there. Because it just, it was all blurred together. So in better news. Yeah. you. I mean, you cooked it on like March the 190th, right? Yeah. So I get it. Uh, in <laughs> in better news, the day after this episode comes out, I'm getting a new tattoo. So hopefully my uh, GI issues will be better by then. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so we have a, uh, a new patron. Yeah, we'd like to shout out, say thank you to Dave Gold for joining our uh, group of patrons. Yeah. So, uh, guys, this puts us $2 short of our next goal. You know, like, that's really awesome. Like, you guys have really stepped up. We just really want to thank you all to all our patrons for helping us out and helping us get to get to our goals and helping fund the stuff that we do here. Speaking of funds, you can take your financial confidence to the next level. Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner and financial coach who serves tech professionals with his company, Level Up Financial Planning, and he does this virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Level Up Financial Planning, just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, believes in the importance of having a real plan and taking action so that you can live your best life. A lot of times people think that they're too young or don't have enough investments to work with a financial planner, but LevelUp's unique pricing model allows you to pay monthly and without requiring investment management. So why wait to feel confident about your financial decisions? Best of all, Lucas and LevelUp Financial Planning is a fiduciary for his clients, and that requires him to act in his client's best interest. So Since we're talking about fear, you don't have to be afraid that he's going to try to sell you anything because he is not a salesman. He only gets paid when you are making money. So like you pay him as long as you're getting value. And when you're no longer getting value, you stop paying him. And he's got a lot of other resources at levelupfinancialplanning.com. So we're going to start the episode off with a quote from Franklin Roosevelt. So... First of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. 
Fear is a biological reaction that can be defined as an anxious feeling that comes from expectations of an imagined event or experience. Fear is information our bodies and minds send to us to help keep us safe from a dangerous situation. As we begin to understand how fear works and what it is, and the cause of the physiological reaction, we can start to take control of the situation and not only overcome our fears, but use them to motivate us and help us become our best selves. Yeah, so... I've had IBS. I think I was diagnosed with it in my late 20s. It was about a year there where we didn't know what was going on. But because of that, I've been on several different medications, uh, mainly because insurance will be like, hey, we're not going to pay for this medicine anymore. So my doctor has to be like, okay, well, we'll give you this one instead. And the medication, it works by, like all of them work uh, basically by working on the autonomic nervous system and specifically the acetylcholine receptors or neurotransmitter. So there was one that I took that caused me a lot of anxiety. Now, if I took it, like, if I had a mild flare-up, I took one pill and it calmed it down, it wouldn't be a problem. It was when I had, like right now, where I'm like, all right, taking them and taking them and taking them like every four to six hours because it's just, it's a constant issue. It would like after about a day or so of that, I would be like getting really anxious about 30, 45 minutes after taking the pill. And first few times that happened, I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was having a panic attack. I'm like, why am I feeling so just like freaked out and anxious and stuff? And then I started to realize, hey, it's happening, you know, around the time these pills take effect after I've been taking them for a while. And you know, I, knowing the mechanism of action behind the medicine, I kind of knew, all right, well, that makes sense that it's it's triggering like triggering that. But uh, I tell this story to say sometimes we get these feelings of fear, anxiety and understanding where it comes from. Like after that, until I switched medicines, I would get that anxiety and I'd be like, all right, well, I know this is caused by the medicine. So it's not like I'm not freaking out. I'm like, all right, yeah, this is an annoying sensation of tightness in the chest and that kind of impending dread. But I'm like, it's going to go away in an hour anyway. So like understanding where it came from made it so that I could go on with my life and not affect me. Our bodies experience fear in basically the same way, no matter you know what stimulus causes it. How we respond to fear can be broken down into fight or flight. While this typically refers to an acute stress response, it can also be used when talking about longer-term fear responses. Beyond the hyperarousal or adrenal response of the sympathetic nervous system are the way we behave in fearful situations. Some people will effectively run and hide, while others may even have an anger response to fearful stimuli, which is what I do. <laughs> yeah. And you do, too. I do, yes. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to focus on understanding the stimuli of fear, not so much the responses to it. First, we'll talk about the various stages of fear, defining each one, and then talking about how to overcome it. Then we will discuss the basic fears that all of us have. And from these, individual fears are based and built. And we'll get more into that when we talk about the basic fears. So this first part, the stages of fear, I got this from Exploring Your Mind, and there'll be a link to that in the show notes. 
fear in and of itself is not problematic. It's when we allow it to gain control over us and influence our lives that it becomes an issue. These four stages show the progression of fear from initial concept to lasting effect. The first stage is imagination. Fear starts in your own imagination when you have exaggerated expectations of the outcomes of something. Yeah, I mean, this happens like it's the root, the starting point for fear is that expectation of something bad happening. It's that, oh my goodness, they're going to hate me for doing that. Or, oh my goodness, I'm going to completely fall on my face and fail or something like that. You know, it's one thing to prepare for the worst case. Like you want to be prepared, especially as developers, we want to be prepared and ready for, all right, what's the worst case that could happen? Let's make sure we're ready for it. But where fear starts to take hold is when you begin to expect the worst case in all situations. And you don't even think about any other cases. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, there's, there's probably a component of that as far as like getting trained to expect the worst. That's probably the scariest thing about fear <laughs> is that if you, you encounter enough bad situations, you'll be kind of stuck on it. But yeah, and that's, that's further down. The thing about it is, is fear is designed as a protective warning. However, it becomes a problem when you let your imagination get ahead of real life events. Yeah. So this is like, instead of going, Hey, I'm going to go speak in front of this group of people. Let's talk about a really easy situation here because there's a lot of like, it's easy to see where the imagination comes in here for this fear because a lot of people have that public speaking fear and it starts with that imagining what could go wrong. So worst case, like looking at it, like the healthy way to look at worst case scenario. All right. What if I forget what I'm talking about? Well, I'm going to have my notes like you use that as a, all right, I've got these backup things. You know, I've got my note cards. I've got my slides. I've got notes on my slides. I've got that. And I can just straight up read from those if I forget everything. You know, if I stumble over my words, well, I'll just make a joke about it. That's healthy. Fear, when it becomes like a debilitating thing, is when it's like you start, what if this happens? And you don't think of, all right, if this happens, I'll do that. It's just like, well, what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And then what if I forget that? What if I drop all my note cards and they get out of order? Then I don't know what to say. And then everybody starts laughing at me, you know? Yeah. And then I get fired from my job. Yeah. I'm not afraid of public speaking. So if (laughs) I did all of that, I would just like dance around on stage and try to make them laugh more. But, you know, I'm a weird goofball. (laughs) That's not one of my my fears. Well, I mean, that's a coping strategy, right? But like... Like, yeah, public speaking is not one of mine. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Or mine anymore. I know. That's really awesome, dude. To avoid letting fear progress, you have to allow yourself to imagine or think about the worst case. Like, it's going to happen. So let yourself don't try to stop it when you try to stop it. Like, what happens when you say, when I tell you, don't think about a white rabbit? You immediately think about a white rabbit. Ah. I think of the scene from the Matrix, but you know. Yeah, (laughs) me too. (laughs) Yeah. The thing is, you don't want to ruminate on the problem. 
the way to overcome fear at this stage before it becomes a real issue is to go, Hey, yeah, that could happen. It goes back to some of the stuff we talked about with meditation. Like when you're trying to clear your mind and you have thoughts pop up, you just like, you go, yes, that is a thought and let it pass. You go, yes, that could happen. And if you can't let it go, then you go, all right, well, what would I do in that situation? How would I resolve it? What can I set up now to prevent that from causing a problem? Like I said, you know, if your fear is... Right, so it's sort of like you're talking about, you know, what if I drop my note cards? Mm-hmm. Mine are numbered for that reason. Because mm-hmm. it, it idiot proofs it. Because <laughs> I had that thought pattern. <laughs> you know, going in, it's like, all right. You know, because I could recover from it, make it a comedy routine, but it's probably better that I don't. Yeah. Because my comedy tends to be a little bit more coarse mm-hmm. <laughs> in that kind of situation. <laughs> so next comes the thing you should fear. Fear. <laughs> Play on words. Sorry. Yeah. And yeah, fear comes in two separate yet intertwined forms, mental and physical. Imagination is the initiation of fear, but the next middle step is rumination, which creates a negative feedback loop that prevents you from thinking in realistic terms. Yeah. So like we, we were talking about this with the imagination, like in when it goes from being, Hey, this is a healthy prevent you from you know making mistakes or help you to prepare for oh what if this happens to a debilitating a problem and that is that rumination when you start just ruminating on the problem and not thinking about the solution now physically it can manifest as a rapid heart rate rapid respiratory rate shakiness jitters and even tightening of the vocal cords to create a higher pitch in your voice. Yeah, that's one of the physiological things that's extremely frustrating about fear because it's like, that doesn't seem like that helps. I would want it to go deeper. (laughs) Make me sound bigger instead of (laughs) make me sound like a rabbit on helium, you know? (laughs) What does a rabbit on helium sound like? I don't understand that. I don't know. I just, I don't understand that evolutionary adaptation. Like that one does not make sense to me. Like how, how it occurred that way. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Well, I think it, it goes back to like, it's preparing your body for that fight or flight. So like the, it's streamlining everything. So you're not going to do a lot of talking when you're fighting unless you're in the movies. Right. And then you talk the entire time and crack jokes while you know people are exploding around you. That's great. <laughs> but the rest of the, you know, the real world, that's not what happens. No. No. Now, this is the point where relaxation and mindfulness techniques come into play. It's really amazing how you can affect your thought process by gaining control of your physical responses, such as lowering your heart rate through meditation. Yeah. Just your breath work alone when you're in a stressful situation can really kind of lock that stuff in. I know I had to do that Sunday. And I wasn't afraid of the guy. I was so mad. I was shaking. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the same kind of thing. You got to lock that in and shut it down. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. Uh, I think I've quoted this in other episodes where we were like, we mentioned fear or meditation, but um, I think it's a Benny Gesserit prayer from, um, from Dune. From Dune. Yeah. The, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. There's a tiny death. Um, how does that go? It's a tiny death that leads to oblivion. 
I will face my fear. I will let it pass over and through me. And once it is gone, I will turn and look at its path and only I will remain or something to that effect. I used to have it memorized. I've got the gist of it now. (laughs) That was like 20 years ago when I read that book. (laughs) Whereas for me, it was early summer (laughs) and I don't remember it. (laughs) So that was that. Like, I remember a lot from the book and the movies and they're coming out with another one, by the way, but that was a one thing that stuck with me more than anything else was that one, like, it's not really a mantra, not really a prayer, just whatever it is there. Just like, it's an attitude expressed verbally. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That, that attitude that just like, all right, you know what? I'm going to look at it. And it's like we said, you address it, you go, yep, that's a scary thing. I'm scared of that. All right. Let it pass through me. When I turn around, it's just going to be me. So what happens if you don't do that, if you let that fear take hold? Paralysis and acceleration. If you hyperfocus on the feeling of fear or the physical manifestations, you'll eventually get to paralysis and acceleration of those feelings. This is what FDR meant when he was talking about fear being the only thing to fear. It's that paralysis that comes from fear or that inability to do anything or to take any action. That's what that the thing from Dune that we were just talking about, the whole point of that is to stop fear from taking hold and from causing that paralysis is to say, you know what? I'm going to let that emotion, I'm going to experience that emotion of fear. I'm going to experience that, that physiological effect of fear and then I'm going to let it go on. I'm going to face the fear. I'm going to let it pass through me. I'm going to experience it. Not. Yeah. I'm going to experience it, but not be controlled by it. And what happens when you are controlled by it is it creates a paralysis. It prevents you from being able to do anything. You freeze up. I mean, I'm, you see it in TV shows and movies all the time where like they're trying to show people, being afraid and they freeze up right now on the other side of the spectrum yet just as dangerous as paralysis you could get acceleration and what this is is this is doing strange useless sometimes even superstitious things to prevent the thing you fear the example given from the website was hiding under the bed sheets like right because they, you know, Freddy Krueger totally can't see you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this could be really disastrous in the moment as the only way to overcome it is to wait it out. And it often doesn't go away quickly or the thing that you're dealing with is actually dangerous and you need to not be there. Yeah. And it's weird how this can kind of affect you because when I burned my hand a few weeks ago, you know, the fire came out the front like kind of engulfed my arms and I ran backwards that happened. I go and I set everything down. I get the dogs inside. I go, I run some hot or some cold water over my hand. And then like Amanda's like, what's going on? I'm, I'm just like, hang on, let me do this. And then I, I go to tell her and I just sort of collapsed on the kitchen floor right there. And like, that's when it all just like the, imagination, fear, and paralysis all hit at the same time. Yeah. That's when I had my freak out, like, oh my goodness, 
that was super scary. You know, it was like after I got everything taken care of and I knew the dogs were safe, I knew everything else was like, it was like the adrenaline ran out and everything else caught up. And I did like, she was like, I'm going to go to the store, but I don't want to leave you sitting on the kitchen floor. Like she was going to go get some, some lotion and stuff for my hand. And she's like, I don't really want to leave you just like panic attack, like on the kitchen floor. And I'm like, it's okay, go, (laughs) you know, I was like just sitting there like rocking and shaking. I was freaking out, man, because that was scary. Y'all. I mean, just like this big, I don't know, like flamethrower coming right at you. Yeah, it's definitely a wake up call when that happens. Yes. I could tell you another one that's also fairly disturbing is if you hear a bullet whistle overhead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one once or twice on hunting trips. And that's not a whole lot of fun either. Yeah. So the final stage in fear, and if you don't curb it before it gets here, it will create memories. That is like solidifying the events and the emotions into your memory. To some extent, everything that you experience becomes a memory. Uh, The stronger the emotions related to that event or the more connections that you have to it will determine how well you remember it and how much that memory influences your future actions. Fear memories are there for a reason. They're, They're there to help you stay safe, especially from similar experiences to the ones that induced fear. You know, this helps you avoid known dangers. Guarantee you, Beach will open you know the top of the grill next time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because like it's like, it, he had a learning experience, mm-hmm. baptism by fire, give or take. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it hasn't stopped me from grilling. Right. You know that. Yeah. It, it hadn't made you like if if you see a flame on a candle somewhere, freak out and go running into traffic either. Yeah. It was a reasonably well adjusted memory of the incident. Mm-hmm. This stage is the most insidious as rather than paralyzing you in the moment, it can paralyze your future actions. Like it can get out of control and you can let fear run your life and prevent you from living your best life. Like I could let that incident control my life and prevent me from ever grilling again or even going to a cookout if, Oh, Hey, there's going to be a open flame grill. Now I'm not going, I'm, I'm cool. I'll just heat my stuff up in the microwave. It's good. Yeah. No, I'm not going to let that happen because let's be honest, y'all. I love cookouts and burgers and smoking meat and all that stuff. You know, yeah, you just don't want the smoking meat to be part of you. Right. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> it's a small request. Um, <laughs> you know, no big deal. Yeah. While it's good and normal to have fear of dangerous situations, you need to face your fears or memories of fears and overcome them so that you're not trapped by them. Now, there are five basic fears, and we got this list from Psychology Today. A psychologist, Dr. Carl Albrecht, lists five basic fears from which all other fears are derived. Now, we're going to talk about each one of these kind of in detail and talk about what they are, and some of the other fears that come from them. The first one is extinction. You might think of this as the fear of death. While a subset of this fear, it's a lot more than just the fear of death. Yeah, this is the fear of no longer existing. 
a fear of complete annihilation, not just dying, but being completely wiped out of existence. Like this is the, your whole tribe is gone. Your whole way of life is gone. You know, that kind of stuff. It also includes like, you know, fear of your future generations being gone. So like the fear of, you know, harm to your children and stuff like that are incorporated within this. Dr. Albrecht states that it brings up a primal existential anxiety in normal people. Yeah, it's the sense of dread you get looking down from a cliff or a tall building. It's part of the thrill from cliff diving, bungee jumping, you know, and even roller coasters. And this is why we have the fears of heights, fatal diseases, or darkness. It's a primal part of our psychology that's there for pretty good reason. Mm Mm-hmm. So the next one is the fear of mutilation. And this is the fear of losing a part of yourself, your body, and it could be any part, not just limbs or sensory organs. Yeah, like the one that bugs me is teeth. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I've had nightmares of now. I mean, that's there's very few things that will make me wake up just cringing and sweating, but that, oh, mm-hmm. can't stand that. Yeah, and it's not just limited to like losing it or even losing it in a painful way. This fear includes the functionality of a part of the body or having uh, bodily boundaries invaded, such as like by insects or parasites and stuff like that. Yeah, fear of mutilation is exploited a lot in horror movies, especially ones like Saw. Yeah, uh, at least I think I never did see Saw. <laughs> But have you ever seen the sea? <laughs> you know, English is not really a good language, is it? <laughs> I just had to. I'm sorry. I've, I know. It's been and a, I just made it worse. It's been a while since I've made that joke. It really has. <laughs> no, I have some ideas from the basic premise of Saw. It was like the cut off your own limb or die or something like that. In some of the situations, I think I, I like I said, I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, I just give or take. Yeah. But that's one of the big fears that was at play here. The fear of mutilation also contains the fear of things like bugs, spiders, snakes, larger animals as well that you know can do serious bodily harm. Like when you're out in the woods and you see a bear come through, you do have an instinctive reaction. There's a actually this makes me think of a picture that I keep wanting to buy and I keep forgetting to do it. This guy took a picture of a lion. It's a Pakistani photographer that took a picture of a lion and the lion is starting to snarl and it's got to look at it. Like you can tell it's, it's about to attack. And just looking at that picture, you kind of, you know, you kind of tighten up. It's not <laughs> like you have an involuntary reaction to a flat piece of paper, that picture on it. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. But yeah, that is definitely something that's very deep in our psychology. Yeah. You know, when I was talking about the freak out I had after I got the dogs in and I knew everything was safe. Like, this is what it was. Like I was, I think I even told Amanda, she was like, you know, are you okay? So if I was like, just, you know, I don't want to end up like Johnny Tremaine. You remember that story it was from the revolutionary war. He had, he was a blacksmith's assistant. And I don't know if you had to read this when you're in middle school or not, but basically an accident had mutilated his hand. So he couldn't hold a rifle. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, I do vaguely remember that now. 
So like that was the fear that was going through my mind at that point in time, that my hand was going to be mutilated and I wouldn't be able to type or anything or play guitar. Yeah. Like that was this fear right here, this fear of mutilation. Like guys, it was intense. You used to have that freak out moment. Speaking of, but, uh, it, it was hardcore. So another major fear is the loss of autonomy. Um, this includes things like claustrophobia, um, but the fear of loss of autonomy takes physical shape in a fear of being trapped, imprisoned, paralyzed, smothered, or otherwise immobilized or restricted. So it's basically like if Waffle House does this to their hash browns, this is the things you're afraid of. <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's my mom is claustrophobic. So like she doesn't like large. My dad is. Yeah. She doesn't like large crowds because, you know, she feels trapped in them. She doesn't like going in caves because she feels like smothered and stuff, which is so funny because I love large crowds because I feel like, hey, if I need to, I can just get lost in the crowd. Right. You know, (laughs) and I enjoy spelunking when I have the time and am in shape to do it. I probably need to exercise more before I go do that again. It's been over a decade. <laughs> Unless you count, uh, was it uh, Ruby Falls? Yeah. Went there with my family, but that's not really, that's just like, that's like Cumberland Caverns. It's like you're on walkways and stuff. You're not climbing through slime. and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other side of loss of autonomy though goes beyond physical autonomy into social interactions and even relationships, loss of autonomy in relationships. Yeah, this includes fear of being controlled by circumstances, situations, and other people beyond our control or influence. It's a feeling of powerlessness. Yeah. See, this can come when you get into a emotionally abusive relationship. If you've been in one of those, you get out of it, and then you're scared to get into a relationship again because you're worried that that's going to happen again. Another thing here that is really a big one is job loss. It's like this fear of if I don't do like toe the company line or do as I'm told, if I disagree with the boss, they might fire me and then I won't be making money. I won't be able to live the way I want to live which is why we here at Complete Developer Podcast have several times advocated for having several months worth of bills you know, set aside in an emergency fund so that you don't have to be controlled by this fear. If you have to walk away from a job because they ask you to do something that you don't want to do or because they're going a direction you don't want to go, they it may not even be bad. It may just be, hey, they're going towards Angular and you really, really don't like Angular and you want to do React so you can walk away. I mean, that's a silly example, I know, but... Yeah, I got fired for insubordination because I refused to do something illegal years ago. And that company later, you know, the people in charge of it later got prosecuted, not for that thing, but for other even more illegal things that they were doing. (laughs) I mean, wire fraud and that kind of stuff. And it was really nice to have money sitting aside because it's like, ah, you know, you guys can't make me do it. Like you're not going to be able to hold the potential of losing everything I own over my head because you don't have that kind of leverage anymore. Yeah. That's really nice. Since I've been building myself back up, I've built an, a decent emergency fund. And while I don't plan on anything like that happening with my job, 
I don't expect it and I don't uh I don't plan on leaving it anytime soon. It's nice to know, hey, if anything came up, I you know, I'm covered for a little bit and I've I can take the time to find a new job. Like you've talked about it in previous episodes where you took a job because I think it was right after your daughter was born and you took a job that wasn't really the best fit, but you needed the money. Right. And this is that same fear that, Hey, you know, I've got to, got to meet the bills. I got to, you know, have that. So. Yeah. That job was actually right after the one where I got fired. (laughs) Mm. Um, And it took a little while to, you know, get something else. You know, it was before my wife got pregnant with my daughter, but we were already kind of talking about it and, Ah, okay. yeah, and it was I just, knew it was sometime around then, and I just couldn't remember exactly. Yeah, and it wasn't a bad job; it just wasn't quite. It was too corporate. Yeah, but I stayed there for three years. Hmm. It was a good team. Yeah, it's it's really nice to be able to do that and to not be scared to death that you're going to lose everything because it makes you make dumb decisions. I've I've also taken a job that was an absolute death march, awful. I've actually taken more than one like that because funds were low for one reason or another. I think, you know, one case I just paid for a new air conditioner, mm-hmm. you know, cash, just like, all right, here, go away. Don't, don't hit me with payments and stuff. And it, that wasn't a really great idea. And so I got stuck in a job that was 80 hour work weeks and just, you know, really bad conditions. Yeah. So the next fear is fear of separation. As humans, we tend to have a strong need to belong. You guys have heard us say this a lot of times. We are tribal creatures who desire to be in a group of our peers. Yeah. Separation is the fear of losing connection to the tribe or losing the respect of friends or peers. It's a fear of rejection or being abandoned by others. And this goes back to, you know, a long time ago where if your tribe kicked you out, you starved to death on the Savannah. Mm -hmm. And so it does kind of fit with the extinction thing a little bit too. Like it touches the edge of it, but it's, slightly different in that it's more social and less existential. Yeah. It's that need for connection. I think it's translated differently from that. They both come from a kind of a fear of death, but like this is that loss of connection, loss of security in being connected, but like just the other aspects of connection. The thing about this is, is it can cause relationships to last longer than they should because one person is afraid of what they will lose. And it doesn't even mean romantic relationships. It could be friendships, family, family. Yeah. But uh, it's also like a fear of disagreeing or arguing. Like there's some people who won't stand up and won't disagree because they're afraid of this separation of losing that relationship or what other people will think if they disagree with them. Yeah. I actually had a discussion fairly recently about that, where I disagreed with somebody else about how to deal with a couple of people, you know, kind of in the outer rim of my social circle, but in the inner rim of theirs, Mm -hmm. because I find those people to be toxic and just, you know, I don't want to be around them at all. And the other person was like, well, you know, you don't want to, you know, burn bridges. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. And the fear reaction is, hey, their side was, well, what if we lose these people? And the fear reaction from my side is, is what if we keep them? Yeah. And it's a very strange thing when you both realize you're operating from a place of 
you know, some degree of fear versus actual like reasonable communication. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. This is a lot of where personally my fear of missing out comes from. It's like, I don't so much fear missing the activity or the event. It's the going through it with the people. Right. You know, it's the connection and the, the shared story, the shared experience really that I like, that is what that I I fear missing out on when I have that fear of missing out. Now, interestingly on the other side of the same fear, you know, the other side of the coin, this can lead to a fear of intimacy to avoid being hurt by not putting yourself into hurtful situations. Yeah. Or taking risks just in general around other people. Yeah. Because they might see you looking like a dork and playing D and D for instance. Yeah. I know quite a few people who are like this and it does, it really stunts them and they don't realize they're stunted. No, that's kind of the worst part of it. Uh, Cause I think they're being strong. Mm-hmm. You remember my first heartbreak. I think I've told you about it. The girl who we went up to Connecticut to meet her family from like for me to meet her family over Easter. And she broke up with me while we were up there. Yeah. Her biggest fear with breaking up with me. And the reason that I guess she hadn't done it before is she was worried about losing all her friends because most of them had known me longer. Right. Or liked me better was her words. But I mean, Will's matter. So like, like that's, that's, that's not bragging for me saying that it was just the truth of the situation. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm afraid of being honest right now. She, um, (laughs) she stayed in that relationship with me longer than she wanted to, which ended up hurting both of us because had she broken up with me sooner would not have hurt me as much, you know? Yeah. But yeah, like she stayed in there longer than she should have because she was worried about losing friends over it. It's like people would have respected her more. I think had she broken it off earlier. Yeah. Rip that bandaid off. Yeah. Now on a personal note, like, from my perspective, I'm a two on the Enneagram. And uh, if you guys don't know what that is, you can look it up. Uh, we got some stuff on that coming up in the future. But um, because of that, separation is one of my primary fear motivations. That makes sense. Yeah. Like I said, I, I talked. It fits with behavior. <laughs> yeah. I, I talked about the FOMO, but like that is one of my primary fear motivations. And when I really think about it, it, it explains when I have gotten close to someone like in a relationship, the few times that I, I've allowed myself to do that, the breakup was so devastating to me, Yeah, you know, whereas other relationships where I like, I kept my kind of kept my distance. I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next. I, re- I remember one, um, yeah. one girl that I dated when we were in college. You remember her? Uh huh. Because you went out on a date or two with her years later. Uh, I mean, we went out to dinner a couple times. Oh, yeah. Because my grandparents lived in the same town right. as her. All right. But uh, it was mainly I wanted to miss out on family <laughs> drama. <laughs> was mainly the yeah. reason there. Anyway. Just so you know. When we went out for, what, a month or two, and she was like, hey, I'm just, yeah, I'm not interested in dating. I was like, all right, cool. Like, because, you know, 
I hadn't made that connection. So I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's be friends. And yeah. then it surprised her when I was like literally being nice and friendly to her because people say that yeah. they don't mean it. It's like, so I just re- I remember that. That's like just something that sticks in my head about that. Uh, all right, guys. The last one we're going to talk about is the fear of ego death. Feelings of shame, victimization, worthlessness, and humiliation define this fear. Right. So it's the fear of loss of integrity or of destroying your own ideas of being a lovable, capable, or worthy person. So to some degree, I think a lot of developers get this a little bit when they have a code (laughs) review. Yes. You know, because it's like, oh, somebody didn't like the way I did this. I'm, you know, just a terrible programmer and I should go be a plumber or something. It's weird. This one really breaks a lot of people. It is very difficult to overcome this one. Um, Now, sometimes it's used as humor in like TV shows and stuff, but uh, humiliation, it can be just straight up devastating and make you want to crawl in a hole and disappear. Even when it's not it's not humiliating or it's not meant to be humiliating. If you perceive it as such, it can still be very devastating. Yeah. And I even have a hard time watching other people Mm -hmm. go through this because I'll empathize. Like I cannot watch a Ben Stiller movie for the most part. Oh yeah. I'm the same way because that's the, that's the humor in there. And it just, I can't. It's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like I will just, yeah, my sisters liked that kind of humor and I would watch, TV shows and movies with them. And I just get up and walk out. So I'm like, I, this is yeah. not my thing. It mm-hmm. bugs me. Now, another example, of this is shame for doing something wrong. Now, while this is appropriate to some extent, when it's taken to an extreme fear of ego death, it leads to a fear of failure, making mistakes or any fear of criticism. So you'll, you'll get to a point where you're like, Hey, I'm afraid I'm going to screw this up. And, you know, I've seen people like go into business like this, right? And they maybe borrow money from family and then they're just terrified to make decisions that they have to make to get their mm-hmm. business working. And they're afraid that oh, I'm going to lose this yeah. money that somebody, you know, loaned me and I'm, you know, they're going to know I'm a failure and all this other stuff. And they end up being a failure because of that, not because of their ideas. Yeah. They, they refuse to either make the decisions that they need to make or take the risks that they need to take. And yeah, that's where that, that shame side of this ego death comes in. Yeah, you should feel bad if you do something wrong, but it's when it goes beyond feeling bad for doing something wrong or making a mistake. You know, it's it's one thing to I think I talked about my homework a few weeks ago. It's one thing to do bad on my homework and be like, oh man, you know, of course my fear response was anger, but um it's like one thing to like get a bad grade and be like, man that I really got to work harder on this. And like, you know, especially the things where I'm looking at, I'm going, yep, I messed up there. Feel bad. Fix it on the exam. You know, it's another thing. If I look at that and go, Oh man, I'm terrible. Just, I'm, I'm never going to get this. I can't believe I made that mistake. I just, I'm just going to drop out. Like I can't do this. And then end up dropping out of school because of that fear of failure. Yeah, the fear is actually worse than, you know, what any of the other consequences are. Right. That's the worst part of it. This is especially true for things like public speaking. A lot of people have this fear, and, you know, I used to as well, but it is related to the fear of humiliation or being seen as a fraud. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, most of the worst stuff you can imagine in that situation just does not happen. Oh, yeah. When this is useful is when it's like, all right, it's fear of being a fraud causes you to go and like work hard and learn a lot of stuff and really up your game when it's bad is when it causes you like it's debilitating. It causes you to not do anything to like just clam up and to freeze and have that paralysis. While not covering every possible fear, these five basic fears form the building blocks for understanding our own fears. Dr. Albrecht states that these are the only types of fears and that all fears are either subclasses under these or combinations of them. Use them to understand how you may be motivated by fear, then take control of your fear to live your best life. Use the information from the stages of fear to not only recognize where you are, but how to overcome the fear at that stage. You may even be able to help others overcome their fears by understanding where they are in the four stages and what will help them the most to get through or overcome that stage. Don't let your fears control you. Learn to control yourself by understanding your own fears and how to use them to your advantage. So we want to, before we close everything out, give a thank you and a big shout out to Lucas from Level Up Financial Planning for sponsoring this week's episode. Lucas is awesome and uh, he keeps in touch with us uh, and he's going to keep in touch with you and going to do his best to help you reach your financial goals. That pretty much wraps it up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I want to offer, a, I don't know if it's necessarily another strategy, but it's something that I realized when I was showing people how to prepare for whiteboard interviews. And that is, is that a lot of them are afraid of that for the same reason they're afraid of public speaking, because it's very similar to public speaking and performance art and job interview stuff is mixed in there. So you have all the basic fears, but if you can recharacterize a fear as a sense of exhilaration, in other words, if you can shift your headspace to, okay, this is going to be crazy and I'm going to go do it. A lot of times, really scary stuff is easier to get past. Mm-hmm. And that's something I noticed, not as much with you, but as with you know some other people that I worked with, like over at NSS that were just terrified of the whiteboard interview and like what could go wrong and you know how they were going to feel about it. And if you can go, hey, look, if you look at this like you would skydiving, you know you're safe. What could you do in the craziest, scariest situation when you know you're going to be okay? And sometimes that is a very useful headspace if you can get there mm-hmm. from here. I want to throw that out. You're going to have to experiment on your own and figure out what works for you. I haven't seen you know, that everybody in a population does that the same way. But if you can get there, it will save you your sanity quite a bit. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.